What have you seen so far this morning? What have we been beholding so far today? That last song captures for us the imagery of our Savior with his arms outstretched, waiting for us to come to him. If we are to rightly celebrate the glory of the resurrection today, as we do on Easter Sunday, we must first learn to appreciate the beauty of the cross. And that might be a question for some of you. How can we sing of the beauty of the cross? How can we say that the cross is beautiful? How do we even call Good Friday good? Many in our culture ask that question. Well, to simply give you an answer to begin, I'll give you the, the words from the BC comic strip written by Johnny Hart. He wrote this. Now, who can call Good Friday good? A term too oft misunderstood. But you, you who were bought by the blood of his cross, you can call Good Friday good. So what do we do when we see something that's beautiful? What do you do? I tend to stop and gaze. We try to take it in. We try to capture it either with our mind's eye or with our cameras that are ubiquitous in our culture. Maybe it's the beauty of a wedding scene where a bride and groom are set in a picture-perfect scene and they're captured by one another's gaze. We try to capture that. Or it might be a small baby who's sweetly sleeping with soft sighs of contentment wrapped in a warm blanket. Or it might be the majestic Rockies as we look out our windows and we go skiing in the snow-capped peaks. And we just want to stop and gaze and capture it and hold on to it as long as we can. We love to look at things that are beautiful. We love to create beautiful things. We love to be a part of scenes that are beautiful. So the question this morning first for you is, is this cross of Christ beautiful to you today? Has it captured your gaze? Has it captured your mind's eyes even as we've been singing? In that last song we sang with words, we invited one another to view him, to view Jesus fallen prostrate in the garden, on the ground, your creator, maker lies. And then we look and behold him on the bloody tree. And the question is, oh, sinner, is this not enough to capture you? See, in this scene of our suffering Savior, we respond then and we say, there are 10,000 charms there. There are 10,000 beautiful things there to see. There are innumerable joys and delights to be found in the scene of the cross. And that's what we want to see today. So have you seen it? Have you been captivated by the cross, by the beauty of a suffering Savior for you? In Luke 23, the, the text that we read at the beginning of our service today the story really doesn't seem to be very beautiful at all, does it? At first, as it begins, we see Jesus, who is the innocent one. He is condemned and rejected. But let the scene unfold a little bit. Let it, let it play out a little bit so that you can catch something that's truly astounding. Three times, Pilate cries out to the crowd that's there, He's not guilty. I've found nothing wrong with him. He's innocent. 
And the crowd responds to him, crucify, crucify him. And because of their urgency and the persistence and the loudness of their voices, finally Pilate just caves. And their voices prevail over the clear innocence of Jesus. Here, in this story, we begin to catch a glimpse, a hint of what's going on. This innocent one who is who's guilty of merely giving life and hope to others is rejected and condemned. And the one who is truly guilty, this man named Barabbas, who's guilty of insurrection and murder, he's set free. So we have the innocent one who's going to die in place of the guilty one. Here, we begin to see the beauty of the scene. We begin to see the beauty of what sacrificial love actually looks like. When our Savior willingly gives his life for those who are guilty. But then the story continues. And as we read the story, we who know the story and we that look on the scene, we're, we're moved to tears. We're moved to sorrow as we look on this innocent one who's going to be put to death. And our emotions are captivated by this. And we, we start to sorrow and grieve just like the crowd does that's following him. And they weep and they wail and they lament. And Jesus turns and looks at them and says, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Man, what a twist. At the very point of, of the suffering Savior's death, he, he does not want sympathy from the crowd. In fact, he is in no place to receive sympathy. He is not in need of sympathy. What he desires is for the crowd to respond to what's taking place. He wants them to see their sin. He wants them to see that they are the ones who are putting him on the cross. He wants us to see that we are the ones in the place of the crowd placing him on the cross. In this hour, Jesus does not desire their sympathy he desires them to turn in their hearts away from their sin. And I fear that sometimes we come to Good Friday and Easter weekend and we look on this scene and we simply look and try to offer our sympathy to Jesus. I'm sorry that this happened. And he looks at us and says, don't weep for me. Weep over your own sin and turn from it and look to me who can give you life. We are not in the position to give sympathy. We are only in the position to plead for his mercy. And as the story unfolds, it's amazing to see this. This is exactly what happens next. But what's amazing about it is that Jesus doesn't even wait for us to plead for his mercy. He cries out to his father. And you can see this in Luke 23, verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the face of this mockery and abuse, he offers forgiveness to those who hate him and those who are murdering him. And then there's this one criminal on the side of Jesus who rightly takes in the situation and sees what's going on. And he watches as the innocent one suffers unjustly while he and his 
companions suffer justly for their sin. And look at his response, though. He says to Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This penitent thief recognizes what's going on. The innocent one is suffering and the guilty one is being condemned. And Jesus looks at this penitent thief and he gives him more than he asks. He says, remember me. And Jesus turns and says, today you will be with me in paradise. And what a beautiful scene of reversal. This, this man who's condemned, this, this one who simply deserves the darkest of hells is going to be ushered into the very kingdom of heaven with God. What a beautiful scene of reversal. But then continue to look and, and Luke continues to show us this picture and this image of the innocent one as he dies. But even as Jesus dies, this beauty is captured because Jesus is on the cross and he cries out to his father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, Jesus never faltered. He never failed. He never sinned. He never cursed. But to the very end, he continued to entrust his life to his father. He was the innocent one to the very end. Now, as we capture this scene, it's amazing for us because, because Luke then gives us some insight. He actually shows us from the perspective of everybody that's around watching and taking in this scene. And he shows us what happens when the Roman soldier standing there sees this take place. And the Roman soldier sees it and responds. And he praises God and declares... Surely this man must be innocent. Surely this must be a righteous man who is acceptable to God. And he praises God. And I know that many of you here today have responded like this soldier. You've looked on this scene and it's captured you and you've responded in praise to God. Surely, surely this is the innocent one. But then the crowd around sees and responds and it's, it's an amazing thing where They've gathered for this spectacle to take it in, to watch a man die. And as this happens, Luke tells us that they start to beat their chests and they return home. And what's the imagery? The crowd has been startled, the crowd has been shocked. They're in agony. They're in grief. They're in confusion. They're wondering, what does this all mean? And this is the response of our culture around us. Many of us here in the United States, we celebrate Easter, but we look at the cross and we think about the resurrection, but we ask the question, what really does it all mean? It's a scene of agony. It's a scene of despair. It's a scene of sorrow. But, but really, what does it all mean? And then Luke turns his attention to those who follow Jesus and he says they're at a distance and they're watching Jesus and they're watching what takes place. But Luke says they give no response. They simply wait and they look and they watch. And then they take Jesus' body off the cross and they follow and they watch and they wait. The day ends and Saturday comes and they wait and they wait. This first Saturday after the first Good Friday was not like your Saturday yesterday. Most of us are probably 
at a baseball game or skiing or having parties with friends and grilling outside and enjoying the beautiful weather. It's a day of joy and celebration for many of us, but for this first Saturday after the Good Friday, it was a day of silence and a day of waiting, a day of wondering and watching what will happen. But do you see it? Do you see the cross as you look on the scene? Do you respond to this cross like the soldier, or like the crowd, or like those who follow Jesus and wonder what's going to take place? But do you see the beauty and the love of this scene? Do you see that the cross is the ultimate demonstration of the love of God for his people? Do you see that this is the place where you experience the love of God as, as you can nowhere else? Acts of love are beautiful. So tell me, tell me, where else will you go to see beauty and to see love like this? As our musicians come back to the stage to help us respond to the beauty of the cross and then to see the glory of the resurrection, I want to ask you this question today. As you look on this cross, have, have you looked on it? Have you gazed upon it? Has it captured your gaze? And today I want you to encourage you to look back to the cross. Look to it again. Look on it with intent. Consider what it means for you, for our world. Will you turn and repent as Jesus desires? Will you turn away from your sin and look to him? Have you done that? And if so, then, then how are you living your life in a way to please him and bring glory to him? Will you rejoice in the suffering Savior? Will you, will you look to him for grace and forgiveness? And as we look to him, as we look to the cross, will you see him, the one who stands with arms open, ready to forgive, to receive, and to give you life?